Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Well, football fans, we made it. Once again, after seven long months of tested patience, another NFL regular season is about to kick off within a matter of hours. And this isn't just another ordinary NFL season, folks. It's the 100th season of play since the National Football League was founded in Canton, Ohio in 1920. Little did the men who gathered at that automobile show that day know that what they started would grow into the best, most successful reality television show ever devised, period. And that show that is the NFL only gets more interesting and more dramatic each and every year. And my man Hal Bent, there's absolutely no reason to expect anything less from it in 2019, is there? No reason not to at all. I'm looking forward to a great season 100. Likewise, myself. And before we uh, preview the exciting slate of games week one, let's uh, go around the league at the latest news and notes uh, with our favorite game, Truth and Exaggeration. And you know the rules of this game. I will read a statement and you tell me whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. Starting with the Seattle Seahawks. Given the Seattle Seahawks acquisition of Jadavion Clowney, Nobody should be surprised if they either give the Rams a season-long run for their money in the NFC West or win that division altogether. I say that is an absolute truth. I don't think there's a head coach better equipped to have a multifaceted defensive lineman than Pete Carroll. It's what he's shown over the years with his defenses there in Seattle. He'll have Clowney going after quarterback at uh, a fantastic rate this season. It's exciting to see and never bet against Russell Wilson on the other side of that ball. So I'm saying 100% truth. Don't sleep on Seattle. From the Seahawks to the Cowboys, regardless of how far the Dallas Cowboys go in 2019, they will regret in the long run not extending Dak Prescott before Zeke Elliott. Uh, I'm going to say that's an exaggeration. They're still going to get to Prescott eventually, whether he goes first or after Zeke. I don't think it's going to have much of a issue in that regard because they're probably going to make him the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history for now um, whenever he gets around to getting that deal done. So exaggeration. And last week, there was a blockbuster trade of epic proportions with the Miami Dolphins trading offensive tackle Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills to the Houston Texans for a couple players and two first-round picks, one this year and one in 2021, and a second-round pick. And there was more to it, but that was the crux of the trade. And with the Dolphins trading away Tunsil, one of the NFL's rising young stars at a premium position, it screams to you that not only are they tanking the 2019 season, they are tanking for a quarterback in the 2020 draft, whether that be Tua Tagovailoa or Justin Herbert. Oh, that is a definite truth. Miami seems determined to make sure that they're going to get that top pick and they're going to have their choice of what quarterback finally succeeds Dan Marino 20-something years later. It definitely... So I will say proof. It definitely does sound that way, and uh, Josh Rosen, I couldn't feel worse for a guy that I knew, Josh Rosen. He just was set up to fail his first two years of the NFL through no fault of his own. Exactly. I, I agree completely. I mean, he's on his third offensive coordinator, and he's starting his second season. That's not a recipe for success, and... You know, maybe he has trade value down the line. Maybe Miami is able to get him some playing time after their brutal start to the season, uh, sacrificing Ryan Fitzpatrick to the uh, pass-rushing teams in the first couple of weeks before handing it off to Rosen and hopefully bumping up his trade value so he gets another fresh start somewhere else. And the team at the other end of that trade, the Houston Texans, the ownership must fire Bill O'Brien if the Texans do not make it to the AFC Championship game this season. I'm going to say that is a truth. I don't know how many more chances they can give Bill O'Brien in Houston. I kind of thought he ran out of them a while back, and yet he's still there and winning power struggles, uh, putting his people into the front office. So 
I think with the future completely mortgaged here at this point in Houston, it is a win or else scenario. So, Bill O'Brien, you better get to the AFC Championship game to keep that job. So, absolute truth. And moving on to our game picks this week, and we will preview three games in depth for you, starting with tomorrow's opening game of the 100 season, and it's very fitting that it features the oldest rivalry in the history of the National Football League, the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears from Soldier Field. The ghosts of Vince Lombardi, George Papa Bear Hallis, and all those uh, deceased players who are watching from above now are going to be roaming Soldier Field all night long tomorrow night as the NFL celebrates its 100th anniversary. But let's talk about this game. And while most people are eager to see how Aaron Rodgers looks in this Matt LaFleur offense tomorrow night, and rightfully so, I am even more eager to see how this Packers defense looks. Brian Gutekunst has quietly built a unit that I believe has the potential to surprise and take the league by storm this year. Up front, you have the criminally underrated Kenny Clark at nose tackle on the inside, Honey quarterbacks, and he's got two new companions at Preston and Zedarius Smith coming off the edge. And in the secondary, you have a rising young star corner in Jair Alexander, former Bear Adrian Amos, and freakish athletic rookie safety Darnell Savage. While flaws remain at the inside linebacker position, especially when it comes to pass coverage, I think this could be a top 10 scoring defense this season. Do you? I'm not ready to commit to that, but I do think there is reason for excitement with the Packers defensive unit here uh, for a large part of those reasons that you've already outlined here, David. I like some of the new faces that are in. It's going to be how do they mesh? How does that system work with them in place? And again, as always, uh, with Green Bay, can these players stay on the field and stay healthy? Yup, that is the challenge indeed. Uh, let's talk about the Bears right now. And they made one of the best picks in the 2019 NFL Draft by potentially stealing running back David Montgomery in the third round. I foolishly lambasted them for trading Jordan Howard before the draft because looking at David Montgomery's college tape, and his minimal, albeit very impressive, preseason outing, this guy is already a better football player than Jordan Howard. Howard is just a one-trick pony, a two-down grinder who doesn't offer anything in the passing game. Montgomery, on the other hand, he is phenomenal in the passing game, both in receiving and in blitz pickup, and an amazing runner with incredible vision as well. And it certainly seems that the Bears are counting on this rookie from Iowa State big time to help ease the burden off of Mitchell Trubisky. Do you think the Bears have found their new Matt Forte? And if so, would you be willing to give him a heavier workload than Jordan Howard ever had in his three seasons as a Bear? Would I be willing to? Yes. Am I thinking that the Bears' coaching staff is going to, especially in the first half of the season? Probably not. And that could be part of their downfall. Uh, Tariq Cohen is still going to be very heavily featured in the passing game in Chicago second and long, third downs, look for him. And veteran Mike Davis is still in the stable there as well. Uh, will likely be stealing snaps from Montgomery early on in the season. Really, the best thing for the Bears would be a Davis injury early in the season and force-feed them to put uh, David Montgomery out there. We've seen teams in the past where the young superstar is blocked by a lesser player just because he's a veteran. And a recent example is go back to Kansas City just a few years ago with Kareem Hunt, who was penciled on the bench and due to an injury was elevated to the starting role and basically jump-started that team into the playoffs for a season and a half or so before uh, things fell apart for him. That is a very good point, but David Montgomery, to my knowledge, he is the starter at running back for the Bears, and I definitely uh, see him uh, getting a better initial shot than Kareem Hunt had. I hope so. I know that we've seen the history um, with that Bears offense, with them moving players in and out at running back, and I still think you're going to see Tariq Cohen take a lot of those snaps away from Montgomery where he may be the best person to have on that field. Um, whether they're smart enough to eventually unveil uh, maybe some kind of pony look with both Montgomery and Cullen, 
on the field on third down. Now that would be something to get excited about. Uh, most certainly will. And as I alluded to, I already think that David Montgomery is an upgrade over Jordan Howard in the Spares offense. Do you? I I wasn't a big Jordan Howard fan to begin with. I think he had a, a, a limited skill set. He did a lot with that skill set. But in today's NFL, you've got to ask more of your running backs. They have to be involved in all the phases of the game. They can't just be a receiver. They can't just be a runner. They have to be able to handle the blitz pickup and the blocking packages as well. And the teams that are successful with those running backs are the ones that have those multifaceted backs and not become predictable to defenses. So having Montgomery in that role is a huge, huge advantage for that Bears offense. And taking him out of that and having other running backs there just seems like that's something that's going to slow their attack rather than help it. Indeed. And let's talk about the potential matchups that will decide this game. What matchups are you looking at tomorrow night, Hal? Well, I'm always looking um, in the trenches. You know, you've got Khalil Mack coming. Um, You've got Leonard Floyd, who for the third, fourth straight year now is poised for a breakout year. One of these years, right? So right. <laughs> somebody's got to block him. <laughs> so whether the whether the Packers can control that Bears pass rush and prevent those strong pass rushes, and you know you're talking about you've got a Rokon Smith, you can blitz in there. You've got a Keem Hicks on that defensive defensive line for the Bears. There's a lot of pressure that they can bring, and you know another year of. Brian Balaga and David Bakhtari, are they going to hold up? Are they going to be healthy enough to stop them? Is Billy Turner the answer at right guard for the for the Packers? Is he going to be able to hold up against that Bears defensive line and give Aaron Rodgers a chance to operate and put points on the board? So that's the first big matchup I'm looking at in this game. Oh, very good point, Hal. And plus, uh, it would be foolish uh, to not note that uh, the Bears have a new guy calling the signals on defense for them this year as Vic Faggio departed for his long overdue head coaching opportunity with my Broncos. Chuck Pagano has stepped into his shoes to replace him. And Chuck Pagano, if you think Vic Faggio is aggressive, which he is, Chuck Pagano is even more aggressive. And uh, yes, you're going against Aaron Rodgers, who can read coverages better than most quarterbacks, even at age 36. But... Uh, uh, you got to think Chuck Pagano, given the guys he has on that defensive front, not just Mack and, and Floyd, but also Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith, uh, he shouldn't be afraid to bring the house tomorrow night uh, more often than Fangio would against Rodgers. Definitely. That's a great, great point there, that new defensive coordinator in Chicago, um, Pagano. And, and like you said, he loves to bring that pressure. And so that puts a lot of pressure in turn on that Packers front. Oh, especially that interior offensive line, which has, as you mentioned, Billy Turner and some, some, some younger guys as well. Yeah, I mean, you look at Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, those aren't names that you're you know, going to be hearing in regular conversation talking about the NFL, and that puts a lot of pressure on them. There's not a lot of quality depth there. You're looking at rookie uh, Elgson Jenkins as the primary backup in there if somebody goes out, so... That would not be a good uh, situation to be throwing a rookie in if there's an injury early on in this game for Green Bay on that interior offensive line. Yes, and a potential uh, advantage I could see for the Bears on offense, as I alluded to in my commentary on the Packers' defense, is getting, whether it be Dave Montgomery, Tariq Coder, even Mike Davis, uh, out in space against one of those linebackers. Get those running backs in space on those linebackers as many times as possible, and that could uh, give the Bears some big play opportunities that could be the difference in this game. Exactly. I mean, you're looking at, you know, Blake Martinez, who is a good but not great linebacker in coverage. Uh, Oren Burks is stepping into a, a major role on the inside there as well. So if you can get those guys isolated, uh, those Bears running backs uh, could make uh, could have some damage done against that Packers off uh, Packers defense there. And who do you have winning tomorrow night's opening game of the 2019 season? 
Well, I have it at the close one, but I am giving the advantage to the Bears and having them pull out a 20-19 to win over the Packers on Thursday night. I am with you, my friend. This game is pretty much a coin flip for me. Would it be surprised if it goes either way? Uh, there's many ways I could see the Bears losing this game. There's many ways I could see them winning, and the same goes for the Packers. But uh, at the end of the day, I trust uh, this to be a low-scoring battle of two defenses, one elite defense and one defense on the rise. But I trust the elite defense and the Bears to make more of the game-deciding plays here. So the Bears win a close one over the Packers 20-17. to And moving out of the Sunday night football game where your New England Patriots raised their sixth championship banner as they host the new-look Pittsburgh Steelers. And there is a bit of concern on the Patriots when it comes to the offensive line. Uh, David Andrews, the starting center, he's likely out for the entire 2019 season after he was hospitalized with blood clots a couple weeks ago. And by the way, we wish David Andrews a speedy recovery back to health. And to fill that void, the Patriots acquired center Russell Bodine from the Buffalo Bills in a rare in-division trade. Russell Bodine's past tape has been below average at best. And in week one, should he start, he will be facing a absolute stout. Steelers defensive front on the interior with Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tewitt. Plus, they'll be paving the way for the guy who I predicted to win NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2019, their linebacker, Devin Bush. Could this mismatch lead to a Steelers upset in a close game? It definitely could. If there is a weakness, you know, the, the Patriots apparently can swap out left tackles every year without any kind of issue there. And part of that reason has been the continuity on the inside of that offensive line, that interior. And with Andrews missing, it's a big step down. Remember, he's not just the center, but he's calling out the protection packages there as well. So you're not just uh, replacing the person who's snapping the ball to Tom Brady. You're replacing the person that's responsible for identifying those blitz packages and moving that offensive line into position uh, in order to be able to pick up any pressure that's coming. So, like you said, you know, I mean, that Steelers defensive front just start with Cameron Hayward. One of, you know, I don't understand why he's not a household name. He should be. And, you know, T.J. Watt, the explosive play that, that he's been able to make, adding Devin Bush, probably my favorite player in the entire draft. Uh, it, it's looking like it's going to be a tough match up there for the Patriots to try to adjust to losing Andrews here. It definitely does. And let's talk about the Steelers' offense for a second. Last season, James Conner made Le'Veon Bell expendable early in the season. But little did we know at this time last season that Le'Veon Bell wouldn't be the only major Steelers offensive weapon leaving town. The Steelers were absolutely fed up with Antonio Brown's off-the-field antics, and he showed you why almost daily this summer. And thus, they shipped him to the Raiders. And that said... Shipping away a likely future Hall of Fame wide receiver likely doesn't improve your offense, but you still have Judas Schuster, who's a star in the making. You got James Conner back healthy, and you got Vance McDonald, who looks primed for a breakout season at tight end. Do you think the Steelers' offense still has more than enough firepower to keep up with the Patriots? I definitely do. I, I think, you know, when I look at Pittsburgh's offense, that offensive line, and, you know, you talk about continuity up front and, you know, Pouncey, Foster, Castro, Villanueva. I mean, that's just such a strong unit, and everything flows from that offensive line. And Ben Roethlisberger, with his experience uh, back there as the quarterback, he's been healthy the past couple of years. You've seen him continue to, to carry that team. Now, losing an all-pro running back, an all-pro wide receiver in consecutive years, I worry about Smith-Schuster in trying to do too much to replace Brown. He's established himself a strong receiver on the outside, dynamic in the slot. If Pittsburgh continues to use him that way, that builds to his strength, and not try to force-feed him outside of those numbers, let Dante Moncrief, let James Washington in his second year, force those two players to to get outside and to step up and contribute and keep Smith-Schuster where he can do the most damage inside. Oh, that's a good point. And plus, you could also have Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot and Vance McDonald running up the seam. That could be quite a nightmare for defenses. 
It definitely could be. I mean, McDonald's has really, you know, the past couple of years, it looked like it was a Jesse James position, but not two years ago. And McDonald's has not only uh, replaced them, driven them out of town, and seems ready to take that step forward to uh, that next level of receiving tight ends. And when it comes to matchups that will decide this game outside of the one we just discussed with the uh, downgraded Patriots interior offensive line against the stout Steelers front, uh, what other matchups are you looking at? The Patriots uh, rolling out Josh Gordon in week one on the outside, and that's going to be an interesting matchup for the Steelers. Um, Joe Hayden, obviously their number one wide receiver. Does he cover Josh Gordon? Do you put him on Julian Edelman to try to slow down that middle of the uh, middle of the field attack by the Patriots. And the, the Steelers, you know, Artie Burns has been a continual disappointment for them at cornerback. They imported Steven Nelson, who uh, just go back to your AFC championship game tape if you want to see a cornerback getting burned by New England. So those, you know, um, those cornerbacks, and I should throw in Mike Hilton as well as the nickelback there for Pittsburgh as well, they're going to have a tough matchup in New England, even though there's no Rob Gronkowski out there with the Patriots offense between you know the big, the big wide receivers, Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas now, and Julian Edelman. The Patriots are throwing a lot of different looks and a lot of pressure on that Pittsburgh secondary. And if that uh, front cannot take advantage of that potential mismatch on the Patriots offensive line, it's going to be a long night because this Steelers secondary remains highly suspect. And uh, who do you think comes out victorious Sunday night in Foxborough, my friend? Well, there's a lot of emotion. There's the, uh, you know, Patriots playing at home. I think that's going to give them enough of an edge. And, you know, although we didn't talk about it, that Patriots defense has such a wonderful mix of veterans and rookies. They can play fast. They can slug it out with you. They can slow it down. It's probably the best Patriots offense, um, defense, sorry, that I've seen since, I don't know when we're going back to, 2004, 2005. So I'm giving the Patriots the advantage there. I have them pulling away late from Pittsburgh, 31 to 19. We are in agreement again, or as we say, we're simpatico, and let's bring back for the first time this season the simpatico alert. <laughs> the simpatico alert is alerting once again for the second time, and uh, I agree. Uh, this Patriots defense, this is easily the best defense they've had since those defenses of the early 2000s with Willie McGinnis and Ty Law and Teddy Bruschi. And not only that, um, with Josh Gordon... And uh, Julian Edelman, now the wideouts, plus adding in Demarius Thomas. Yes, he's not the same as he was during his heyday in Denver, but he could still get you uh, a lot of third-down conversions and be a good red zone presence as well to fill that Gronk void. Uh, the Brady's going to be getting rid of the ball quick. The I don't think that uh, Steelers' defense is going to be able to get to Brady in time, and it's going to be close for a while, but the Patriots do pull away at the end, 31-20. to 20. And on Monday Night Football, we have an exciting matchup in the Big Easy at the Superdome between two great quarterbacks, one who is about to get a gold jacket in the near future and the other just starting his path to a gold jacket. Deshaun Watson and the Texans taking on Drew Brees and the Saints, a must-see matchup on Monday Night Football. But the Houston Texans, uh, they really had a busy week uh, on the trading wire and uh, they took a lot of risks in order to get that team uh, over the hump and to a Super Bowl as soon as possible because uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson on his rookie contract, you have to take advantage of him and win a Super Bowl before he signs that big payday. So uh, it was a risk trading away Jadeveon Clowney because, yes, he got J.J. Watt, a future Hall of Famer, and you got Whitney Merciless as well, but a front without Clowney, it just doesn't seem as formidable as it once was, especially with J.J. Watt um, now 30. So how much less formidable is this Texans defensive front without Jadeveon Clowney, and how can we expect Sean Payton to exploit his absence, particularly in the running game? Yeah, I, I mean, I think when I look at that Texans defense without Clowney, you forget what a, you know, J.J. Watt gets all of the attention, um, and rightfully so, a great player. But as you said, hitting 30, 
you know, Whitney Merciless is not the same player as Clowney is not as strong. Uh, you know, for Clowney, he gets so much attention for that pass rush, but as an all-around defensive player, strong against the run, disruptive, even if he's not getting sacked, he's able to get into the backfield. He understands the leverage, moving the quarterback out of position, even if not sacking him. So it's put, putting a lot of pressure on other teams with him there. Without him, it, it's going to be a tougher road road for Houston to try to slow that Saints offense. And like you said, that running game in New Orleans as well, there's, you know, a new look there for the Saints. I don't think we're going to see a lot more of Alvin Kamara, um, even though he's pretty much the number one in the passing game. But Latavius Murray steps in. I think he's a perfect fit for that offense. Uh, as the pounding the rock there and and look to him to have a a big game and get those linebackers up and give Drew Brees some shots down the field with Michael Thomas and Ted Ginn later on in the second half of this game. Oh, you alluded to my next point. Uh, Yes, uh, Whitney Merciless is definitely not the same player as Clowney and they don't have uh, another freak to win one-on-one matchups when Watt's getting doubled or tripled. And if this Texans front cannot get pressure on Drew Brees, aren't they a deep trouble in this game given the downgraded secondary, especially at corner? They lost a lot of key players at that secondary, most notably Kareem Jackson and Tyron Matthew. And yes, they got uh, Bradley Roby, but I think he's clearly a downgrade. Oh, I definitely agree. You know, I mean, when you think of the Texans over the last four or five years, you think J.J. Watt and that, that strong secondary behind him. And now you're you're looking at that team and you say, you know, you're starting to get some question marks. You know, Bradley Roby, I think there was a reason he wasn't paid in Denver. You had a front row seat to a lot of those games, David. You know, um, trading for Keon Crossan from the Patriots, I expect he's going to be thrust into a, a, a much larger role in Houston than he would have had in New England, and that crowded secondary. Uh, Aaron Colvin, uh, very highly paid slot cornerback there as well for Houston, uh, and, you know, Jonathan Joseph. So, it's not the depth that they're used to in Houston. It's not the talent that they're used to in Houston. And if they're not generating that pass rush up front, that could be a long game for the Texans' defense. It most certainly can. And let's talk about this Texans' offense. And they did what they did for a reason because they saw what happened to Andrew Luck and Andrew Luck decided to retire prematurely due to the beating he took behind all those bad Colts offensive lines. They were scared. They were setting Deshaun Watson down a very similar path. So that's why they gave up the farm for Laramie Tunsil. And make no mistake, Laramie Tunsil is a rising star left tackle in this league. Uh, but when you look at the rest of this offensive line, it still has some serious question marks. Yeah, Nick Martin is uh, has been the center for the past couple of years, but he is uh, just average. Titus Howard, who you selected as a tackle in the draft with your first round pick, you're moving him inside a left guard. And Zach Fulton at right guard, who was has been absolutely below average at best these past several years. And Shawtrell Henderson, who was hurt, I believe, last year, but he's still... Uh, not a, a, a sure thing for them at right tackle. So uh, based on all the questions that remain with this Texas offensive line, how much better do you think Laramie Tunsil alone makes them? Well, considering they didn't have much there to begin with, it, I'll say 20% better. <laughs> at least they got one position covered there and a mighty important one as well. But, but yeah, I, I really don't like that right side of the offensive line. Um, Chantrell Henderson, even when he was healthy and in Buffalo, was barely starting quality to begin with. They've got another rookie as their depth at tackle in uh, Max Sharping as well. So you may see him outside. You may see him inside. Um, if Howard doesn't work out, do they move him to right tackle uh, to, to cover for Henderson? Who slides in at guard? There's not a lot of depth there either. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Houston, you know, you you filled one position, but you weren't one position away on that offensive line to being a Pittsburgh or Dallas up front there. Um, So I think there's a lot of problems they're still going to have up front in Houston and Deshaun Watson doing a lot more running around than he should be. Oh, that is my fear. And uh, what matchups do you think are going to decide this game at the Superdome on Monday night? 
I, I think for the Saints, if, if they can keep J.J. Watt under control, I think that's going to be the, the biggest need for um, for New Orleans. I, I think we've seen in the past when you can get pressure on Drew Brees, you can disrupt that entire defense. I mean, that your defense can disrupt that entire offense there in New Orleans. So, you know, those big veterans on the inside, Andrus Keat, um, you know, they're going to have to step up and play a strong game. Larry Warford you has know, been around forever. We know him as well. Those guys on the inside, force them out, force Wada to the outside, get them matched up on a tackle because that's the strength of Armstead and Ramzik out there on the edges. And if they can get their hands on Watt and slow him down and keep him out of the backfield, I, I think the New Orleans offense should be able to move the ball fairly efficiently. And uh, you forgot another key guy on that Saints interior offensive line. Their rookie center from Texas A&M and Eric McCoy, who they traded up with the Dolphins to take in the second round to replace the retired Max Unger. Exactly. I mean, you forget with Unger there, you know, that solid veteran these past couple of years, it's easy to overlook that position where he's been so strong uh, and really cemented that role and brought the uh, played a key role in getting the Saints back into uh, a perennial contender there. So McCoy as well, very uh, important game. At least he doesn't have to worry about Houston switching around and putting uh, Jadavian Clowney right over him on the nose as they uh, sometimes did in the defenses in the past. So that might be one win for the rookie right there. Yes, and another potential uh, matchup I see is that right side of the Texas offensive line, who you just alluded to, against uh, whoever is rushing the passer opposite Cameron Jordan. Uh, Marcus Davenport, their second-year guy from Texas San Antonio, who they are counting on big time to fill the shoes of Alex Okafor, who departed uh, in free agency. So uh, Marcus Davenport, uh, who was raw coming in, who showed some flashes last year, uh, this is the year for him to step up and show why the Saints uh, traded a first-round pick to get him. Uh, he has to take advantage of the right side of that Texas offensive line in order for the Saints to put the Texans away early in this game. Great, great point, David. And I'll even throw in uh, Demario Davis, who the Saints are high on after he came over from the Jets. If they can get him unleashed at the quarterback as well, um, they may be able to disrupt that uh, offensive line there in Texas. Oh, totally, especially on those blitzes. And uh, who do you think comes out victorious in New Orleans on Monday night? Uh, I'm going with the Saints. I think they've just got too much too early on here for Houston. Um, 30 to 17, I've got the Saints over the Texans. I have it a little bit closer than that, but the Saints uh, win by a similar margin, 31 to 24. And now let's move on to our fantasy football segment of our show, Set My Lineup. And today we got my friend Chris from Denver, who sent us two of his teams, both halfway PPR leagues. And let's help Chris with the first of those two teams, uh, starting with quarterback. He's got an interesting dilemma this week. He's got Aaron Rodgers going up against the Bears tomorrow, but he also has Russell Wilson, who faces an absolutely juicy matchup at home against the Cincinnati Bagels on Sunday. I lean Russell Wilson here. What do you think, Hal? I'd be tempted to. Um, me looking at that game, I see Seattle up early and often and running the ball a lot, so... More likely, I think you're going to see Rodgers putting up more statistics against the Bears uh, just because I expect he'll be playing from behind and having more opportunities to throw the ball and accumulate yardage and points. Oh, that is a very good point. So for that alone, we are going to say keep Aaron Rodgers in your lineup there, Chris. And running back, you have Nick Chubb, Philip Lindsay, Miles Sanders, Justin Jackson, Sony Michelle. I think the two locks at that position are Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. Definitely. And, and you know, you look at it and you say, I hope he's got a flex for Lindsay there as well, because I wish I had all three of those running backs on my team. Yes, uh, Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb at running back, Philip Lindsay at flex. Uh, you're, you're pretty much set there, Chris. And wide receiver, I think this is pretty easy. DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley. Corey Davis and A.J. Green, who's not going to even play for the first couple weeks of the season. Lock in DeAndre Hopkins and Calvin Ridley, that's fine. And Zach Ertz at tight end, lock in Zach Ertz. So your lineup is pretty set there, Chris. Aaron Rodgers, Nick Chubb, Philip Lindsay, Sony Michelle, D. 
DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, and obviously Zach Ertz. And Chris's other team, he's got Russell Wilson and Josh Allen. I think you start Russell Wilson here, hands down. And at running back, you got Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy, and Philip Lindsay. Uh, do you uh, start uh, Carson and Lindsay at running back or Carson Fournette at running back? That is a tough one. And, and you know, if, it, if it's a PPR league, I'm really looking at LaShawn McCoy as well because I, I'm really interested to see how much it, he's involved in that passing game now that he's in Kansas City. But, yeah, I, I think Carson and Lindsay, you got to go with your strengths there. Uh, especially early on in your fantasy season, and I'd, I'd roll those two out first. Uh, Carson and Lindsey are your two running backs there, Chris, and wide receiver. I think this is pretty straightforward. Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, Jarvis Landry, Deshaun Jackson, and Devontae Parker. By the way, I do not want to own any Miami Dolphins this year, so if I were you, Chris, I would shop Devontae Parker, put him on the waiver wire, and pick up somebody in from the waiver wire to replace Devontae Parker after this week uh, is over. But I think Tyree Kill and Adam Thielen should be locked in there. I think that's a slam dunk there, David. I agree with that. And, and yes, Devontae Parker, get a bag of balls for him if you can. Anything. Yeah, so we said Chris Carson and Philip Lindsay at running back. So flex, Leonard Fournette or LaShawn McCoy. I think to play it safe this week, I'd go Fournette. Uh, because uh, he's the workhorse in that backfield, and you don't know how the touches are going to be divvied necessarily between the Sean McCoy and David Williams yet. So Leonard Fournette would be my flex. Uh, Jarvis Landry and Deshaun Jackson can wait a, can wait a week, uh, and LaShawn McCoy as well. So Carson and Lindsey will be your running backs, and Fournette will be your flex. And an interesting choice away to tight end, Delaney Walker or Kyle Rudolph. I personally am going to go with Delaney Walker uh, just because uh, Kyle Rudolph has company now in that tight end room Minnesota with the rookie Irv Smith and the Vikings are reportedly counting on Irv Smith to be that third target in the passing game as opposed to Rudolph who they apparently want to stay in block so I think you got to go with the grizzled vet Delaney Walker who I believe will still be Marcus Mariota's safety blanket exactly if, if Tennessee is able to get on the scoreboard you know there's a good chance it's going to be Walker as well so he's a possibility for getting you a touchdown and stealing you those six points at tight end there, even if he doesn't have a big game. So to recap, Chris, uh, your first team, we got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, uh, Nick Chubb, Philip Lindsay at running back, Sony Michelle at flex, Hopkins at Ridley wide receiver, Zach Ertz at tight end. Your other team, we got Russell Wilson at quarterback, Chris Carson, uh, Philip Lindsay running back at Leonard Fournette at flex, or mix those up however you want. Tyree Kill, Anthony the wide receiver, and Delaney Walker, a tight end. And now we go to two of my teams. One a half-point PPR team, the other a non-PPR team. Let's start with my half-point PPR team. At quarterback, I got Baker Mayfield and Phillip Rivers. I drafted Mayfield first, so I think I'm going to start him. I would start him wherever you drafted him. Yes, I would put him first. <laughs> and get check out my running back stable here. Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Duke Johnson. I think uh, you lock in McCaffrey and Chubb at the first two spots. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt, those two. And at wide receiver, I have Mike Evans and Tyler Lockett locked in in the wide receiver spots. But I also have Sammy Watkins, Curtis Samuel, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But I think Evans and Lockett are no-brainers this week. I think so as well. I would lock those two in, David. And what about Flex? Dave Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Duke Johnson, or one of those three receivers I mentioned, in Watkins, Curtis Samuel, or Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I'm leaning towards one of those three running backs, uh, particularly, I think, Montgomery, because I think he is uh, more of a certainty to get more of a workload than even Miles Sanders and Duke Johnson at this point. Yeah, if it was a full PPR, I might lean a little closer to Johnson, where you know he's going to be involved in that passing game, but uh, Montgomery should be as well, and uh, Sanders, you got to see how that shakes down in Philadelphia before you put him out there. He could be the lead back and play, you know, 75% of the snaps, or he could be just in for a handful there with the depth at running back in Philadelphia. That's a wait-and-see situation, I think. Oh, I completely agree. I expect Miles Sanders to get control of that job at some point this season, but it might not be early as we discussed uh, on the NFC East special that we did together a couple weeks ago. And uh, so 
Baker Mayfield, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, Dave Montgomery at flex, Austin Hooper at tight end. My other tight end is Chris Herdon, who's suspended, so got to roll with the hoop-a-doop there. And TB, my non-PPR league, I think it's straightforward. Patch Mahomes or Ben Roethlisberger, go with Patch Mahomes, even though it's on the road at Jacksonville. <laughs> league MVP speaks for itself. And at running back, yep, so we're on the same page there, Patrick Mahomes. Running back, James Conner, Devontae Freeman, Miles Sanders, Matt Breida, and Frank Gore. I think uh, James Conner, Devontae Freeman have to be locked into those two running back spots, don't you? Definitely. I, I, I'm excited to see Breida uh, be healthy and uh, playing there in San Francisco again, what kind of role he has, but another wait-and-see kind of running back there. Yeah, so James Conner, Devontae Freeman, wide receiver, check out this stable, Tyree Kill. Stephon Diggs, Chris Godwin, Josh Gordon, Curtis Samuel. But, but the decision might be made a little easier because it was reported today that Stephon Diggs did not participate in practice. And if he is indeed hurt, I think it's uh, a no-brainer, slam dunk. Tyree Kill, Chris Godwin at wide receivers, plus Gordon as your flex. Yeah, I, I think that pretty much plays out. Just keep an eye on Diggs and his health because if he's back, he could... Uh, push Gordon out of that role. Yeah, so if Diggs does play, you think I should go with Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs at my wide receiver spots with uh, Godwin at flex? Uh, why should I uh, not uh, start Josh Gordon in that scenario? Uh, I, Josh Gordon, remember, is shaking off a lot of rust. He missed the end of last season. He had limited practice time. I wouldn't be surprised if it took him a few games to get up to speed. I'd hate to see you stuck with a five receptions for 45 yards and no other scores out of him in week one. Very, very good point, and I completely agree. And at tight end, this is a no-brainer. I got George Kittle, but I also have his Iowa Hawkeye teammate, TJ Hawkinson, albeit uh, just as a late-round keeper pick, but it's rolling with the Kittle. So uh, Patrick Mahomes, James Conner, Devontae Freebid, and if Diggs is healthy, Tyreek Diggs at wideout. And Godwin at flex, but if not, Tyreek and Godwin at wideout, and Gordon at flex, and Kittle the tight end. So uh, we're set there. And now let's move on to our rapid-fire predictions for the rest of the games of this opening week of the NFL's 100th season, starting with the Tennessee Titans traveling to Cleveland to take on Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Uh, the Titans have a very, very good defense, and I think uh, this game is going to be closer than many think it is, but... The Titans not having Taylor Lewan uh, at left tackle is going to absolutely kill them and find out why in my bold prediction. I trust the Browns defense to make more game deciding plays and the Browns uh, beat the Titans by a final score of 23-16. to 16. Ooh, I got it a close game as well, but I have Tennessee pulling it out on the road 20-19 uh, to 19 over Cleveland. I think that Tennessee defense is able to control the line of scrimmage against the Browns and that offensive line, which is a weak in many positions, is their Achilles heel in week one. Oh, very, very good point once again, Hal. And this one is straightforward. Ravens at Dolphins. This is my lock of the week. Ravens 34, Dolphins 10. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you're being nice and making it close here. I mean, you you could have told me 50 to 3 and I would have believed you on that one. <laughs> I had it 26 to 6 um Ravens over the Dolphins there, but yeah, that that if there's a lock of the week, I think that's the biggest lock you can pull out right now. It most certainly is and uh and I believe John Harbaugh will go to the mercy rule and uh, not put up a 50 burger, but we shall see. The Atlanta Falcons traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. This is one of the more exciting matchups earlier in the day. And he got that Falcons and that newly revamped offensive line with the rookie Chris Lindstrom at right guard against that uh, imposing Vikings defensive front. And the Vikings with that new offense with uh, Gary Kubiak now calling the shots uh, against that uh, Falcons defense that is now completely healthy after last year's uh, injury disaster. Uh, this game is going to be very, very interesting, and I expect very, very close. Oh, definitely. I have both of these teams as uh, bounce-back teams in 2019. Um, I, I'm even saying this game may go to overtime. I'm going to take the Vikings 29-26, to 26, but that's a flip of the coin right there. 
I agree. This is a coin flip game, but I'm going to give a slight edge to the home team and the Vikings win. And by the way, where's the particle here again? Boop, 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 boop. The Vikings win 27-23 to over the Falcons in a close, hard-fought game at U.S. Bank Stadium. An AFC East rivalry of two young teams on the rise. The Buffalo Bills traveling to MetLife Stadium to take out the New York Jets. I'm a big Sam Donald fan. I expect him to have a breakout season, but I also love this Buffalo Bills defense. And I think given the fact the Jets aren't 100% on the interior uh, offensive line, uh, Coletio Assembly's a little bagged up at that uh that Ryan Khalil, uh, the question is how much juice does he have left in their other guard positions, a question mark. With uh, Ed Oliver, the rookie, uh, I think Ed Oliver has a golden opportunity to feast in that game. And this Bills defense that makes life miserable for opposing offenses. Uh, this is going to be an ugly low-scoring game, but I trust the better defense to pull it out. And that is the Bills. The Bills win a close one, 16-13. to David, I've got to agree with you on this one. I have it a little bit higher scoring, uh, but the Bills taking out the Jets 20-17. to 17. And if there is another candidate for lock of the week, it is this. The Philadelphia Eagles at Carson Wentz hosting the Redskins with Case Keenum at quarterback. Uh, this is easy. Eagles, I think, win relatively easily. I don't see Case Keenum doing a lot against that Eagles defense. 27-13, uh, Eagles over the Redskins. Yeah, I, I've got it even um, a bit more of a blowout than that. I have it 27 to 3 Eagles, and, uh, you know, Eagles making a statement, their team to be watched this year in 2019, uh, taking their road back to the Super Bowl, possibly. And Lewis Riddick predicted that Carson Wentz would be the MVP this season. And Carson Wentz has a golden opportunity to show why against a very, very suspect Washington secondary. The Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton host the Rams and the new highest paid quarterback in the NFL in Jared Goff. I think this is a trap for the Rams. Uh, the Rams uh, said goodbye to Roger Saffold in free agency and John Sullivan, or John Sullivan, yes, that's his name. He retired. Uh, their interior offensive line is facing a lot of uncertainty, and Andrew Whitworth is no spring chicken out at left tackle. And they're against a, a front that now has added, along with KK Short, Gerald McCoy, and the underrated rookie Brian Burns, who flashed big time in preseason and is a dark horse candidate for defensive rookie of the year. That front is going to give this Rams offensive line fits all game long. And knowing uh, Todd Gurley's knee, knee situation, how much longer could he hold up? Uh, this is going to be a slog. And I actually have the Panthers pulling off an upset 20 to 17. Oh, you're braver than I am. I, I, I really thought about that may happen, but I couldn't pull the trigger in the end. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I tried to tried to convince myself to have Carolina pull it off. Um, I do think the Rams are going to have a little bit of a step back. That hangover after losing the Super Bowl is real. So, about I still have the Rams pulling it out, 24. 20 over Carolina. And the Kansas City Chiefs and league MVP Patrick Mahomes travel to Duval to take on Nick Foles of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this Jaguars defense has a bounce back year this year. The Jaguars are another sneaky bounce back candidate as a whole. Uh, you add a freakish talent like Josh Allen to that defensive line. Are you kidding me? This defensive line is going to be even harder to block. But that said, this is Patrick Mahomes. These are the Kansas City Chiefs, and this offense is even more dangerous, not just with the addition of LaShawn McCoy, but you have uh, the rookie Miko Hardman, who is almost as fast as Tyree Kill. And uh, you still have Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins back healthy. And don't forget another underrated guy who I also like, Darwin Thompson, their rookie running back. If uh, Damian Williams or LaShawn McCoy don't show they're up to stuff, he could come in in a pinch and... And, and wow you, man, this Chiefs offense could be even more dangerous than it was last year. The Jaguars defense is going to hang tight for three quarters, but the Chiefs pull away in the end, 27-17. to I've got this one as my upset special. I see Jacksonville riding Nick Foles and just barely edging a uh, dramatic comeback from Kansas City. But Jacksonville winning at home, holding court. 27 to 24. Ooh, that is a bold pick indeed. 
And moving on to Jacoby Brissett and the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Carson, California to take on Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Uh, I do have the Chargers winning this game, but you always expect the Chargers to screw up at some point or another. I just don't think it will be this week, but the Indianapolis Colts, they're going to keep it close throughout. Chargers will win, but a very close score of 24-21, to and I think the Indianapolis Colts have a big day running the ball with Marlon Mack. Yeah, I agree. I think Indianapolis, they've got great balance on both sides of the ball, even without Andrew Luck at quarterback anymore. And as much as it was a shock to us, uh, a lot of the reports now are, you know, Luck had made his ceiling clear to Indianapolis early in the season. That was part of the reason why they held him out to get Brissett, all of the first team's snaps in that offseason as well to prepare for this. So I think Indy's going to come out ready, but I'm not picking against the Chargers either. I have them winning 20-17. to 17. And if there was another game close to a lock this week, the Seahawks play close to the Cincinnati Bagels, who I believe are on the verge of a very bad season and a rebuild, and I think that would be the best thing for the Bengals uh, long term. But the Bengals, just too many questions, especially on defense. Yes, uh, Gito Atkins and Carl Dunlop are still there, but they're getting long in the tooth. And uh, it's Russell Wilson, one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, they should have no problem running the ball with Chris Carson against them and opening up a few deep shots to both Tyler Lockett and the rookie DK Metcalf as well for some big plays there. And plus that new defense with Jadavia Cloudy going up against the worst offensive line in football, not a chance. I think the Seahawks roll them 31-10. to 10. Yeah, I don't even think it's going to be that close. I have Seattle winning 38-7, to and I wanted to give them the shutout, but eh, we'll give the Bengals a garbage touchdown at the end to save it. The Dallas Cowboys said their newly paid franchise running back, Ezekiel Elliott, play host to the New York Giants at home on Sunday. And I think that especially even without Zeke, I think the Cowboys would have had no problem winning this game. But now... But with him, I think the Cowboys absolutely rolled the Giants and Eli Manning and forced them to go to Daniel Jones next week. Uh, they win this game by a score of 28-6. to six. I agree. I, I don't think the Giants are really going to be able to put up a lot of points with Eli there. They should be thinking about 2020 and Jones at quarterback as well. I think we both agree on that. But Dallas, easy win, 28-13. to 13. The debut of the great Kyler Murray in the desert as he and Cliff Kingsbury host Matt Patricia's Detroit Lions on Sunday afternoon. I actually like the Arizona Cardinals in this game. Yeah, this game is pretty much a pickup, but I like the Arizona Cardinals in this game because uh, the Lions aren't going to be 100% sure on how to defend the Kingsbury offense and Kyler Murray, too. I think Kyler Murray shows you why uh, he was the number one pick in the draft this year and why the Cardinals shipped Josh Rosen off in favor of him. I think Kyler Murray has a big day along with uh, David Johnson uh, catching the ball out in space, and I think the Cardinals pull off a hard-earned victory by a final score of... 26 to 20. Yeah, my, my initial thought was to, to pencil in 44 points for Arizona and say, yeah, this offense, and then I took another look at it and said, I don't quite think they're that, um, <laughs> that you know, it's going to be exciting to watch them this year. I just worry about them on the defensive side as well, trying to stop teams. I, I like the moves Detroit's done. They, they're building along that offensive and defensive line. I think we're going to see that starting to pay off this year. I wouldn't pencil them into the playoff team, but I think they're closer to 500. And I've got Detroit 31 to 27 over Arizona. Oh, very good point, especially with the NASCAR offense. The Cardinals are running, NASCAR meaning up tempo. Uh, they risk uh, tiring out their defense very soon. And with Vance Joseph calling that defense, ah! Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah you, you said it. Very good point. I still like the Cardinals in this game, albeit uh, it, I might change my score prediction. It's going to be higher scoring than what I or even you said. I, I just have that feeling now. And speaking of shootouts, I think this game is shootout written all over it. The San Francisco 49ers traveling to Tampa to take on Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers. And Jimmy Garoppolo is back. And you also have Nick Bosa, I believe, is going to play this game uh, with that uh, enticing new 49ers defensive front, Kim DeForest Buckner, Andy Ford, against uh, that amazing cachet of weapons in a Bruce Arians system. It's going to be must-see TV on Sunday afternoon. 
I uh, think this is going to be a very high-scoring game. It's going to be a shootout back and forth, but the end of the day, I trust the 49ers defense uh, to come up with a big play at the end is because of their front and the questions Tampa still has on their offensive line. The 49ers pull off a high-scoring affair in Tampa, 34-30. to Yeah, I'm with you. Maybe not quite that high, but pretty close to that. I've got the Niners 30-24 to over Tampa. Indeed, and the second half of the Monday night doubleheader, the Denver Broncos and Vic Fangio travel to Oakland to play the Raiders to begin their final season in Oakland before moving to Las Vegas. And this game, it's rated as a pure pickup by Vegas for a reason. I I see it the same way. It's seriously for the court. I can see this game going either way. I think it's going to be close, but I also think it's going to be low scoring and uh, it's going to favor the defense, but since the Broncos and Vic Fangio, I believe, have the better defense, I see them forcing the play that decides the game. A strip sack for Bradley Chubb at the end, setting up a Brandon Maddis field goal in the final seconds to give them a 19-16 win. I'm with you, David. I'm out here on the East Coast wondering how I'm going to stay up to, to watch the end of this uh log fest here. Uh, it's a late game on the Monday night. I might just be hitting record on the DVR and catching it later, but I've got Denver in a low scoring 16-10 to 10 win over John Gruden and that uh, dysfunctional Raiders team. And now let's go on to our bowl predictions for week one, and I will go first. Miles Garrett going up against uh, whoever the replacement to Taylor Lewan is. He will sack Marcus Mariota. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six times. Miles Garrett sacks Marcus Mariota six times and shows why he is my pick for Defensive Player of the Year in 2019. What is your bold prediction, Hal? My bold prediction, well, you know, it seemed bold at first, but, you know, considering that Steelers defense and I'm picking the Patriots to put 31 points, my bold prediction is uh, 28 of those are coming through the air, through the arm of 42-year-old quarterback Tom Brady. Uh, you know, there's something about Brady against that Steelers defense, especially at home in Gillette. So I'm looking at Tom Brady getting off on the right foot, 400 yards passing against that strong Pittsburgh defense, four touchdowns, and I'll even say one, two. Let's throw three of them to James White coming out of the backfield. Oh, very interesting uh, take there, Hal. And last but not least, let's do our challenge flags for the week. And my challenge flag goes to Tampa Bay Buccaneers rookie linebacker, Devin White. Devin White, you were the number five overall pick for a reason because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers believe you could be the fulcrum of a newly revamped defense that was absolutely atrocious these past couple years. Devin White, show why you were the number five overall pick and make the game deciding plays that make the difference between a Bucks victory and a Bucks loss on Sunday against the 49ers. Hal, what is your challenge flag? My challenge flag, I'm going to have to go with throwing that in the direction of Sam Darnold and the Jets here. Uh, he's got the talent around him this year. I'm picking against him against Buffalo. This is a defense which is criminally underrated around the league. Um, we talk about Buffalo. I don't hear a lot else about that defense. They're strong at linebackers, strong on the defensive line, uh, super stout in that secondary as well. I, I think they have a possibility to be one of the, the best defenses we've seen in the last five years or so. So, Sam Darnold, can you move the ball this week? Against that Buffalo defense, there's going to be a lot of eyes on you to take that big step after your strong finish last year. But we've seen a lot of players have that strong finish and then not able to turn it back on at that next season. So Sam Darnold and the Jets, you're getting my challenge flag. Thank you, Hal. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back next week to preview week number two of the 2019 NFL season. So stay tuned. In the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's crunch with a K. 
And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Hal. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 And you can follow Hal on Twitter at halbet one and check out his work at fullpresscoverage.com or if you're a Patriots fan at musketfire.com. For Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome and enjoy week one, everybody. Bye.